Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. I'm Tora from Manchester, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. And my question this week is, what was the one piece of artwork, be it music, film, visual art, that influenced where you are right now in terms of your, your creativity. Okay, here comes the show. And don't forget, question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian and writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Tora from Manchester's question. What is the piece of artwork that had the most influence on you? Poor, that's a... It's a that's really a, good question. It's a great Tora. question. Thank tough, you very much. Tough gig, no. Tough gig to question. pick one, right? Yeah, really tough one. A really tough one. Um... I don't know if I can even get it down to one. Um, I'd go for Reservoir Dogs. I'm going to go Reservoir Dogs because I think at a very young age, the the dialogue and the way the people in that film talked made me think completely differently about how I really liked it sounding like people were real in in whatever they were doing. So that's that had a big impact. That's a good good choice. I'd say um, it would probably be either uh, Public Enemies, The Nation of Millions. Uh, or I'd say it would be uh, Nas's album it was written sophomore yeah. album I thought you were going to say Nas yeah because I know I you well it, enough yeah yeah because I, I heard it was written before Illmatic and the song Take It In Blood I think is like one of the best examples I said of like uh, mm. poetry I've ever heard and like stream of consciousness and I think for me it showed me that you can you know coming from the environment I came from you can still make poetry and art and make it immersive so I'd say yeah Good, good choice. Great, good great choices question. and great question. Listeners, tell us what you think. And suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dane? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, too lowbrow, too highbrow. All questions are welcome. And then if you do like this show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on ACAST, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. On today's show is a sports journalist who has been an expert on African football for more than a decade. He fell in love with football while watching a Roger Miller-inspired Cameroon lose to England in the quarterfinal of the 1990 World Cup. He has a reputation for being one of the best football journalists in the country and is currently sports writer for The Guardian. He is the host of the podcast and author of Made in Africa, which is all about the history of African players in English football. Pleasure to welcome to the show, Mr. Ed Ahrens. Hi there, how you doing? Good to be here. Good man. Um, You'll see me. I stumbled a few times to get here, but um, (laughs) that's just a reflection Uh, of excitement and also my poor ability to enunciate words. uh, Ed, 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 what is a piece of artwork that had a big influence on you uh, growing up? I was just thinking about this as you were asking it, yeah, before, and I think, uh, yeah, I have to go for a music one. I I think um, 
the Fuji's uh, album, The Score. Great choice. 1996. Great choice. Um, really good choice. It was a really, uh, it was like just thinking back actually when you were over it. Had some three massive hits, and I think they were all like number one in the top. Oh yeah, top of definitely. the charts. But it wasn't just for that. I think it was just the depth of the album, and like it was great. It was a really good the, album. Even down to the skits were amazing and stuff as well. They were, yeah. Like I just um, always remember "Ready or Not," right? And then the one that had a line about smoking sense, uh, sense I think it was, and um, or smoking something anyway. Yeah. And, and I was like. As a kid, I'd be like, wow, like they've got a way of talking about smoking something illegal on top of the pops. How cool is that? You know, that's kind of like unbelievable to think in the mid 90s that they could get away with that. Yeah, what one thing I really liked about it was all the remixes of Fuji La. There's like yes. all these remixes yeah, yeah. Just in French and Creole. And I think that's probably the first time I ever heard Creole rap, which is quite mad if you ever heard it before. Basically, any Wycliffe John. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, 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 at one point, I was, I was, I was like, Wycliffe is the best rapper out right now. '96, I think he was one of the best, and I think you know people forget like how monumental a group that was because you know yeah. when you think about the, the solo careers of the other members. Like, uh, obviously, Wycliffe Jean went on to do the Carnival, and also to be the uh, producer of City High, and also to discover Destiny's Child. And Lauren Hill is Lauren Hill, and the Miss Education is the one album she made, and it's still a classic to this day. Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And then Pra as well. <coughs> well, he didn't really need to work, so he was fine too. Um, <laughs> and do you know that Akon was uh, originally going to become one of the Fugees? Really? Was he? Yeah. Didn't it? Is he from? Uh, no, he's not from he, Haiti. You know, he's from Senegal, isn't he? But um, yeah, yeah. But we're still, I guess, under the whole refugee camp. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Also, good choice. Very another, good choice. Another, he would have fit in well with him, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can hear that. <laughs> Here's some other Fuji's based trivia. So one of um, uh, Wyclef's other protégés was a guy called John Forte, mm. who did a remix of a song called "Staying Alive," and uh, he was um, arrested and imprisoned for uh, drug trafficking, and then was pardoned by George Bush Jr. Nice. That is n- nice trivia. Uh, great band, great choice, Ed. Very well great done. Choice. Really good choice. Um, Dane, it's probably time for a question, isn't it? As the format of this show tends to dictate. Absolutely. Ed has proved that he can tr- we can trust him with his uh, good discography and knowledge of music. Uh, it would have been so great therefore... if he'd said something terrible, no, just for, uh, for the uh, record. Well, yeah, that would have been a real curveball. <laughs> like uh, Barbie Girl by Aqua just kind of changed oh, my yeah, life. That's, that's absolutely that's been, that, that's I won't been... tell you the story about that one. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People still play that. There's been a remix of that on social media I've seen as well. Yeah. It's a really weird trend. But I am going to judge people who say that's had a major influence on their life. But anyway, let's go back to the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, where were we Sorry. that was a pretty suggestive song when you think about it it was like you know you can brush my hair and undress me anywhere there was no subtext to that song I'm sorry. quite weird really it was quite weird yeah exactly and uh, the sex the sex doll industry still thrives today so thank you for that aqua <laughs> and they're on the show next week funnily enough yeah yeah so we'll, we'll take it up with them then so it was good but um, Ed as our esteemed guest we welcome you to ask the first question uh, which can be any question you'd like which we'd like to discuss for a quarter of an hour then Howard would like to do the same and pose a question back to you for about 15 minutes to discuss and then in a strange formation and use of tactics I'm going like, to ask you a question too which we discuss for like 15 minutes and then we'd like you to tell all of our listeners where they can find out more about your good works how does that sound 
sound. That sounds that sounds great, and I've got a good question for you. I hope. Oh, you, let's go. It's very timely as well, given that um, the Ballon d'Or took place uh, on Monday evening, um, and we at saw, the time uh, of recording. At the time of recording in in late November. At the time of recording, yeah, um, and uh, we saw Lionel Messi take his seventh Ballon d'Or. But I just wanted to ask, um, why has no African player won the Ballon d'Or since George Weah in 1995? In fact, not even that. Why has no African player um, not finished? Sorry, why has no African player finished in the top three in the Ballon d'Or standings since George Weah in 1995? In fact, he's the only one ever. And it's, and it's worth saying to the listeners who, who may not be kind of fully football initiated that it's weird that there is this one thing, right, where like, you know, most of you would know, even if you don't follow football, that they want a, a footballer wants to win the World Cup. Uh, the European Championships or the or the, the Copper America, which is the equivalent for South America, and then in the in the domestic game, you want to win your titles. Everyone knows that, right? But then there is this weird thing for a few elite footballers who want to win the Ballon d'Or. Which it, 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 what is it? It's just a thing that says you're the best player in the world, which is, I suppose, quite a brag. Well, yeah, it's it is it's a very it's an individual award in a team sport, so it's a bit of an, a bit of a weird one. But yeah, I mean, it's become like the sort of the holy grail if you're a football player and you know yeah, it's, it's definitely it's almost I mean it's almost like you know that certifies that you're going to walk into any punditry job any brand endorsement <laughs> job you know I mean I'm sure that it provides leverage on behalf of your agent for you to negotiate wages wherever in the world you go um, mm. and uh, sells your image likeness for shirts and, and merchandise so how long has it been going for that's kind of an interesting question because obviously Pele never won it right or, or Maradona never won it it wasn't going that long was it or I think uh, I think Pe- uh, Pele and Maradona have won it. Yeah, it's been going back since, since like the nineteen fifties. Oh, right, I'm talking. So, about you have to you have to double check that. So that would that would be part of the answer to the question there as to why there's not been an African player won it before. If it's been going as long as the nineteen fifties, I would pretty much well, yeah, nineteen fifty up until like nineteen seventy. No, no. Well, the question is since nineteen ninety five when George uh, Weah, yeah. who is obviously. Who, who I don't know if people know, but he's now president of Liberia. Liberia, yeah. He's, um, he's had to kind of go above and beyond, not just being the best player in the world, but also being a humanitarian that uh, contributed towards the end of the Liberian civil war and then became, yeah, president, which is like, outside of football, just as a human being, these are insane achievements. Like, you know, you imagine the paradigm of sitting in a pub and talking with your friends about what you've done with your life. I've been a professional footballer. I've been one of the best footballers in the world and the president of my own country. Like, you never have to buy a drink again, surely. Yeah, I mean, he, he has had an unbelievable career. He said, uh, yeah. I think Arsene, it's Arsene life. Wenger... It's a life, it's an unbelievable life. Unbelievable life, yeah. I mean, Arsene Wenger takes a lot of credit for uh, for yeah. discovering him when he was uh, when he was playing in Cameroon and bringing him to to play uh, for Monaco. Yeah, uh, And then he went to go on and play for, for AC Milan. And scored a, an unbelievable goal when he dribbled. I remember it. All the, length the whole the team, all the uh, way from yeah. the box at his own in his uh, own half, all the way to the other side. Yeah, and 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 really, and so it, you know, he was an absolute icon, still is. But but since then, um, there's been loads of great African players, you know, uh, who've come and gone. Um, very good African. Didier Drogba, for definitely example, definitely should present, be in, yeah, as a humanitarian and stuff as well. As well, yeah. I mean, yeah. he presented the uh, Ballon d'Or on on Monday evening as well, and it was almost like he did it. He did it last time as well in 2019 because it was cancelled mm-hmm. in 2020. And it's all about you know, like having having an African player who was a great but never got anywhere near winning it. It was kind of like ironic. I thought that you yeah. know. 
he, he's there and uh, yeah. And Essentially being the football equivalent of the bridesmaid and not the bride, which is exactly. really strange when you think about Didier Drogba's achievements and again, his humanitarian work and just how exemplary he's been as a player as well. Um, I mean, definitely know there's a lot of candidates as well that, you know, it's surprising when you think about it. I mean, I pay attention to football, but maybe not focus on Ballon d'Or recipients because the fact Sam, Samuel Eto'o has never had one. No, and he's not even, I think Samuel Eto'o's highest finish came was fifth. Right. Uh, that is wild. You know, and yeah, absolutely. And and Mohamed Salah is like, he came seventh That's on Monday. Uh, and his highest finish is fifth. Uh, the only the only other person in the top five, I think, is Sadio Mane, who came fourth in 2019 and had a brilliant year. But then he, he wasn't even in the top 30 this year, which probably not mm-hmm. such a big deal as he didn't have a great year. But um, Riyad Mahrez was the only other athlete yeah, who yeah. was nominated. And he was, you know, he had a pretty good year, actually. He had, you know, won the title, top scorer for City, yeah. I think. And uh, and he was, like, down in 20th place. So I think it's kind of... I've got one, I've got, I've got, I mean... And it's straight. And the thing is, when they is it the is it the like your ethnic origin? So because again, it's like someone like Ingolo Kante, you'd think, especially over the last couple of years, yeah. would have been considered. Yeah, he came fourth this time. So I don't know if it, I mean it's 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 hard to say that it's to do with anything like that because obviously the pro, the, the the main issue I suppose you have to you have to talk about is that. Uh, Lionel Messi and and uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo have won twelve of the last thirteen Ballon d'Ors, mm-hmm. so it's kind of taken out you know a whole generation of players. But I still think that there could have been African players, certainly like you know since oh since ninety five definitely. I think we've all seen enough. I mean, even I remember, and I'm not saying he's necessarily a candidate to consider. But even I remember El Hadj Diouf when he came, in, <laughs> yeah. when he was discovered, like when he was playing against uh, the French football team, and it kind of revolutionised yeah, his whole career. Yeah, they got to the quarterfinal, a brilliant, absolutely brilliant team. Yeah. But I think he if you were going to name, if you were going to name someone who could have got it, and obviously this is a pretty uh, uh, niche uh, for some people who don't follow football that closely, but like Yaya Toure for a period mm. of time was the best player in the world. I think yep. bar none, like really, he scored like more goals in midfield than any player at that time. And his team was winning the trophies. So like, but I think I've got a couple of theories, Ed. Tell me if you think I'm talking bollocks. Mm. Um, One of them is obviously there's this kind of staunch loyalty to giving it to Ronaldo and Messi that I do think probably has some elements of kind of, I don't know if I'd say like corruption, but like there's probably something a bit iffy about the fact that you just keep wanting let's to say, like let's Messi. say political. Say, say something. Yeah, there political. you go. Political. Because in my head, if you follow football closely, Messi just had one of his worst ever seasons. He won the Copper America. Cool. Like, but let's be honest, like that isn't the most highly sought after trophy in the world. Like the views, the views of Howard Cohen regarding. No, trophies. but the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the thing when you when you go into bat against uh, against either of them. I I just tweeted yesterday, for example, <laughs> not you know because it's it's only because Salah came out seventh and Ronaldo was sick. So I tweeted, I'm not sure how what Ronaldo's done to come yeah. higher than him. But as some people pointed out, you know, he did finish top scorer in the, the Euros. And uh, yeah, he, he was top scorer in Syria, and and in Messi's case, he was top scorer in La Liga as well as winning his first international trophy. But I think you're right. I think there is kind of this sort of loyalty to them. Yeah, that, like they they get a certain number of votes. Just but the others, of who the they other... are, even if they hadn't played all season, they probably. I think, I think there's a lot. Of, I, think a lot of people, the I think there's a lot of people that are involved in the sport, and I'm not necessarily saying they're involved in the panel who 
very much have bought into the Messi Ronaldo brand. Definitely, and probably aren't definitely as, as purists in terms of football, and you know, I think it's you know taking into account things like you know exponential growth and achievement, depending on where you're from and stuff, is not mm. something they've taken into account. Which is which, you know, again, using N'Golo Kante as an example, I'm like, you know, this is somebody who was was playing non-league not too long ago, or playing in mm. like the second or third division of the oh French yeah, yeah yeah yeah, and has had yeah <clears throat> deserves immense deserves immense respect. But the thing that interesting about someone like Kante or or a number of players that you could flag up is the fact that have more players of an African origin in the past 25 years given allegiance to a major uh, team, uh, national team um, of somewhere like France or, you know, potentially other countries? And has that limited the amount of people who would have been candidates? Uh, I don't know, that might have affected... Yeah, for example, yeah, I mean, for example, there's a a Karim Benzema, Mm -hmm. French player, was I think came third on Monday and, you know, is obviously of Algerian heritage mm-hmm. uh, and then Kante, um, who's yeah. of Malian heritage. So yeah, there, there, there is quite, there were quite a few players like that. But I think, Z- I think Zidane, the, Zinedine Zidane, for, that even, that's well, exactly. crazy. That's insane. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, how that, that's an interesting theory that, you mm. know, maybe it's the, uh, I guess, national identification that might affect it. But I, I guess, who, who, what is, what's the panel composed of, Ed, to, to, to make the well, decision? That was one thing I was going to say is mainly, I think it's, it's mainly journalists from around the world. Okay. So, you know, they're not, they're not to be relied on. Yeah. <laughs> As we well, know. I mean, yeah, there's, 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 there are and politics that are involved in that. And are, I'm sure that there are some, in the same way that, so there is, the, we don't have, I, I don't know if it would be the equivalent of the Ballon d'Or, but there's, you know, you have awards for best newcomer and best show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival mm. for comedians. And it's like the largest arts festival. And what you'll tend to find is that your shortlisted candidates will include a few Australian comics, a few Canadian comics um, who have to kind of be in there because it is an international festival, but also the average Edinburgh show costs like 10,000 to put on, including promotion and venue hire, et cetera, and your outgoings. So if you have like about 10 or 20 Australian professional acts coming over vying for this opportunity, they need to be included in the shortlist. Otherwise you think, well, if you haven't got a chance of winning, we're not going to come. And so that would mean the festival will lose 200,000 potential in Mm. revenue. So, you know, in terms of journalists, they probably are aware that your Messi's and Ronaldo's and other, uh, I suppose, more European-based players, when they do appear in publications subsequently after getting these nominations and being shortlisted, it's going to help sell more articles to get more clicks and stuff. So they probably feel like if they pick a, 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 a an African footballer, might not generate as much clicks. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think. I think. I mean, I think it's what it is. It's it's one journalist from each, like a designated journalist from each FIFA nation. So it's like sort of two hundred and five or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I imagine that some of them are people who don't, you know. I, they probably all watch football, but some of them just, you know, maybe they support Barcelona or whoever, you know. So mm, it, yeah, it, it's it's down to the individual. But some people know. might be like they might rather get like tickets to uh, New Camp or Bernabeu rather than go in to like watch RB Leipzig, where uh, yeah, Mane, where um, so yeah, Mane came. Yeah, Mane, Mane came from Leipzig, right? Was it Leipzig? Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah, originally. Yeah, 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 yeah originally. Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and I think that it will be interesting to look at it after the era of. Uh, Messi and Ronaldo ends what in the next year or two? That's kind mm. of coming to an end, isn't it? That we is there, to... is there is there a, a continent a continental African equivalent of the Ballon d'Or? Is there well, the player of the year, right? Is, yeah, there is oh, absolutely, yeah, and that's yet to be uh, announced. I think uh, Morris won that last last time mm. it was awarded because obviously we, we've had a year off 
But the key thing to say, I think, in this is next year is quite a big one for African football in that you've got African Nations Cup in nice. January, where obviously a lot of Premier League players are going to be missing for a few weeks. And then obviously the World Cup at the end of the year. So the but I think you know the Ballon d'Or is probably going to be decided on who wins the World Cup, isn't it? But you know, if 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 say Mohamed Salah takes Egypt to the to the title in January and then Egypt do pretty well in the in the World Cup, then he's got to have a good chance, you know, with yeah. say Liverpool do well as well. So but there's so many different, you know, factors that can influence uh, who's had a good season because you know there's international football and club football mm-hmm. and European competition as well. So yeah. there's a lot of factors to take in. There is a lot to take in, and I, and I wonder if after Messi and Ronaldo, they'll start to think over what the criteria is, and uh, and maybe um, I don't know, make it more of a kind of public spectacle. Like, because in um, the NBA and other American sports, the MVP gets voted for largely by the uh, the public for a period of time, if I'm not mistaken, and then it, then then I think it goes to a panel after that, doesn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's quite. I don't know if you saw any of it last night, but it's quite a glitzy occasion, and it was. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to see. I always find it interesting seeing Messi in that environment because he's, you know, uh, not exactly the most extroverted person, even though he's an absolute like superstar. <laughs> yeah. He always gets dressed up with his own wearing a sequin jacket, um, and, and it's quite a sort of glitzy affair. Yeah, but it's very French because it's obviously run by. France football, um, mm. but yeah, I think well, it, you know what? could be made when you it. when you put it that way, Ed. That could be part of the answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, being that a large part of the North African uh, nations are former French colonies, and then you do have a number of pay francophones, which would include places like Mali and uh, Zanzibar and Ivory Coast. Uh, could yeah. be part of the politics there. That maybe if they were to have more African players might lead to a decentralization of power or a lack of emphasis on um, African players uh, becoming transplants to the French leagues and maybe contributing to the French football. Maybe if they knew they could still realize their profiles uh, uh, from Ballon d'Or by remaining in Africa. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Could maybe mm. people be less inclined to support French football? Maybe. Well, Samuel Eto's, uh, this is something I, met, I wrote about in my, in my book, just at the last, I think it was at the 2018 one, that Samuel Eto was really questioning why African players did so badly because it was the year that Salah and Mane were just tearing up for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been quite outspoken on this on this subject before, as as has Edouard Mendy as well, the, the Chelsea keeper, who's, yeah. you know, sort of question why he hasn't been, you know, included in 
certain things and why he missed out as well to uh, as the best keeper of the year to, to Donnarumma. Um, mm. But that's that's a, yeah, that, that's that's a tough one, I think. Yeah, it's a good question, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll maybe get you back next year, Ed, and we can talk about what the latest result was. It'll probably just be Ronaldo again, I guess. But we'll... so, well, you, yeah, it's going to be like nearly forty by then. But yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he'll still come in the top in the top five or top. Yeah, 10. definitely. Yeah. He'll definitely work on that. So, um, so. My question this week, following on from yours, we're going to keep it a football theme show for, for so far, unless Dane wants to diverge later. But um, I've got a question that's broad about football, uh, and I think about it a lot, uh, which is diving, right? Uh, anyone who doesn't watch any football ever. Simulation. Howard. Simulation. <laughs> players uh, often uh, can be seen to be uh, what people would consider play acting or like faking injury for the purposes of gaining an advantage. That could be an advantage for their team uh, by, well, it's always an advantage for their team, but like, it's also partly kind of trying to get players sent off, I guess, uh, or bookings or foul, however you want to term diving. That uh, That's what we're looking at. And my question is, are they always trying to cheat or is there like a mental illness potentially that, com- <laughs> that comes with playing football right and i say that i say <laughs> i say that because I, I genuinely think that these people they cannot be they're not stupid right so they know that, that we know that they that, that they're not injured right but i can't help but think there is like a mental problem with some of these footballers where they are so primed about not getting injured and are so kind of on edge and psychologically kind of just fragile that that's why they put that they they act the way they act. Do you what do you reckon, Ed? Am I talking bollocks? Well, I, I think no. I, I sadly I'm a bit more cynical, and I think it's more to do with them just trying to get as much advantage as they can from whatever situation. And I think I don't know if you guys have seen this, but from the other day uh, in the Copa Libertadores, amazing final, clip! What amazing! Which, which clip. is the final? It's like the Champions League final in South America, and it was. Uh, they, he's got a great name for it as well. It's the perfect name, Davison mm. uh, from Palmeiras, and he. Uh, and the clip shows him just walking along, and the referee places his hand on his back just to check he's all right, and then he he. he dramatically dives to the floor and uh, thinking it's an know, opponent thinking it's an opponent exactly <laughs> it's just it's just outrageous and I think that I just sum, it sums up exactly what these players are what, what, they're, what they're trying to do really is so it's just trying just trying to cheat uh, I think we can use that word. Yeah. Uh, gamesmanship or whatever you want to say. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's really just I, I definitely think there's a percentage of them that are doing that. But if you'll indulge me for a bit longer, I think <laughs> I think there's this percentage of players, right? Because football is the only game, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm all happy to be proven, proven wrong. Football is the only game where the predominant part of your body that you play it with is your feet and your legs, Right. Like, you know, comparative sports would be like rugby. Obviously, it's hands. You kick, I know, in rugby, but it's like more about hands and upper body, right? Uh, you know, you can look at basketball. It's once again, like you use your legs, right? But you know, you're, you're controlling the ball with your hands. I could go on with this tennis, you know. Blah, blah. It's, it's pretty much the only sport where you're controlling the ball with your feet, it's, right? It's, main, it's mainly football and tackle. Sure. So of the major sports, <laughs> of the major sports day, <laughs> yeah, football's the only one where you can try. I think, I think, 
I, yeah, foot golf, yeah. <laughs> Still waiting for that to become big. But like, if you think about it like that, right? So this is the only sport where you control the ball with your feet. And the fact is, like, that is incredibly fucking hard. Now, that's not to say that Roger Federer or Itoje or any, no, no, and LeBron, they're all amazing at what they do in their individual sports. But there is something, it, we're better with our hands. <laughs> like, admit it, like, every, like the, amount of, the amount of things you can get your hands to do compared to what you can get your feet to do, it's, it's incredibly clear that we're better with our hands, right? So football is this incredible thing. It's like a miracle, really, is a miracle that these people can control this thing at the level they can. And I think that it sent some of them to a point where they are so uptight about getting injured and it's about so uptight about I, I think they go onto the pitch and they are like made of glass waiting to they're just so desperate because if you someone come if I ran towards you now Ed and tried to kick you in the leg right you'd freak the fuck out right you'd I'd, freak I'd the, sidestep you right. <laughs> <laughs> or try to anyway you try, I'm saying, but like, no, should the ball just completely evade it totally but if your job, if your job was a, a well, I was just going to say it's quite helpful. I was just walking my dog, and you always get these like little dogs flying at you, like especially you've got the treats out to the dog. And you get quite good at moving out of the way. Like one just came at me before; it was about to hit me in the leg, and I just swiveled out of the way, and it just went, you know, went flying. But it's, it's I, I think, but also, yeah, I, I know what you mean. They are quite highly strong individuals, footballers. Like if you were going to get kicked, your basically and, your job was going to be, I'm going to get kicked. You'd be do everything you can to not get kicked, right? Yeah, I think so. Although I don't know if if you were a player, it wouldn't be too bad being injured because you've got all these lovely facilities to recuperate yeah. and you still but, get but paid. It's, so. but, 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 uh, it's, it's, but it's getting there though because I think a, a large part of the footballer's journey um, is the you know getting through academy or um, you know under up, up to under, up. basically obviously the gulf between maybe being discovered as a footballer and getting to the point where you sign either a YTS or sign a professional contract the uh, the uh, risk of injury ending your career is quite abundant for a footballer so I guess it could be that I was watching something recently where it's like there's a reason why people have never tried to domesticate zebras is because zebras are really high strung and they're really anxious and confrontational because lions eat them if you know your lion food you're going to be on edge as a person. And when you consider footballers, the odds of becoming a footballer for everyone playing professional football in England alone is 0.03%. And everyone has a story of someone we knows who had some mm. athletic promise and that ended due to injury. Um, you can imagine why people have become so paranoid, because, especially like in South America, because, and Ed, you can correct me on this or give your volunteer opinion as well, or you as well, Howard. Mm. Like, <clears throat> as good as Lionel Messi is, had he begun his career at a time where football wasn't as stringent about injuries and tackles, particularly in uh, Europe, he may not have, at his height, without like and without any potential growth hormone, he may not have been able to reach the levels he would have been able. He reached. Whereas, when you look at somebody like uh, Ronaldo, as in Brazilian Ronaldo, number nine, mm. like injuries marred his career for a very long time, yeah. and I think if he come up in an environment where football was equally stringent as it is now, he may not have suffered as many injuries. The same no, it's as definitely um, possible. Who's the other? Yeah, it's true. Well? I mean, he played for West, if you look at West, Ham, um, West Ham player as well who got injured as well. Uh, oh, player. Yeah. Jamie Redknapp as well. Like a few like really amazing, promising players have had their careers kind of stalled due to injury. Some yeah. have recovered, but like 
Someone like Aaron Ramsey as well, like when Shawcross snapped his leg. That's like, what I mean. Can you? There you go. Let's take Aaron Ramsey. This is a footballer who had the most horrific leg injury anyone ever saw on a football pitch. Oh uh, no, he, not, not the most horrific. It was what's his face, the dude, uh, David the Brazilian. Boost. Oh. Was it, yeah, oh, Eduardo, 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 oh, Eduardo yeah. but like, oh. the, idea, but the idea that that guy, <laughs> the, the, rest of, the rest of his career, the idea that that guy would be like, in, come near me at any point, I'm ready to fucking roll on the floor and cry because I'm so scared of being injured. Yeah, I, I, I always remember the David Boost one for uh, for Coventry and uh, mm. Peter Schmeichel against, against Man United was a long time ago, but when yeah. Peter Schmeichel needed, needed counselling because it was so... Horrible. Yeah. You can no, you can understand it, like you say. I mean, their whole career is based is very flimsy, isn't it? And it's based on yeah. on each contract. Each contract you get is basically, you know, it's a guarantee for those number of years. But if you're injured after that, and then that that could be it. But yeah, I think most most players are very uh, very cautious about it. But at the same time, you know that they they're probably quite durable as well because they're you know oh, yeah. they've had to put their bodies through quite a bit to get like say to get where they have, where they have. I'll, I'll tell you this like I went to school with Sean Wright Phillips who is with, alongside uh, I think it's um, well it's him and Aaron Lennon are the, were the shortest two of the shortest players that ever played in the Premier League hmm. um, but I could tell you for free like easily one of the strongest people I'd met in my life in school um, mm. one of the most resilient, resilient athletes ever and so like I said the level of strength and conditioning that is required to play football at pace I think a lot of time to us it looks like players are simulating and they're diving or they're being maybe appearing to be overly sensitive to protect themselves but I think when you consider the pace that Premier League football or football in general is, is played at and you know the athleticism that's involved, the opportunity for injury for, uh, is a lot more abundant than we think it is, especially if you're colliding with people at speed. And even and even just like, just the general grueling of, you know, doing fast twitch muscle exercises up and down a hectare of a pitch can predispose you to quite serious injury anyway. So it's like, I guess the way sometimes how what would look like a normal trip that would make someone stumble slightly, when you're running at a certain pace, that can lead to like ruptures of ligaments or twists and damages and... Definitely. Very, slight, very slight fractures and so you definitely affects your mental with, health right yeah, the, the anxiety yeah. that comes from that yeah it's interesting uh, we were talking about this on, on the podcast last year about Wilfred Zahar who's a, who's the most fouled player in the Premier League this season and and usually is most seasons uh, for, yeah. just for, he plays for not the not the best team either Crystal Palace but he is the, is the player that you know leads definitely, their attacks and definitely wins. the talisman player there he's yeah. definitely the talisman and uh, he was saying to a colleague of mine, Adrian Kajumba, on, on the podcast that he's got a scar. You know, he's got all these scars on it on his uh, his legs, which he can remember, like which opponent that inflicted it on him. And and he's got this, you know, his sort of the pantomime villain for all the other all the opposition fans as well, <laughs> who always accuse him of, of yeah, going down too easily. Yeah. But I think it's really hard to you know to understand what actually it's like being out there unless you unless you go to matches, in which case you can see it and hear it because. You know, yeah. when there's a foul committed, it's like it's pretty obvious. You know, and and the like, especially on like a cold winter's day when uh, you know you've been knocked over and you're having, you know, you've got no breath left. It's quite a tough situation to be in. But particularly when you look at it, like I'll take a player like Phil Foden, this beautiful, beautiful footballer who's who's you know England are going to hopefully have for a decade plus donning it in our uh, you know our national team at, you know, tournaments and. You know he's 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 pretty well put together, but he's still a very slight, 
smallish guy, particularly in comparison to some of the giant beasts <laughs> that he's yeah. taking, you know, he's facing on the pitch, you know. So the idea that Phil Foden, when he gets tackled by, like, let's say Van Dyke as a, as a great example of an amazing, like, like roaring animal, like such a powerful creature on the pitch. Like, is the idea that he would be like, oh, fuck, like, I've just been tackled by Van Van Dyke and it hurt a bit, but I'm actually just really worried when I come near him that he's going to hit me. I think that's, we make such fun of them. And that case of the other day with the guy, the guy rolling around with the referee tapped him, he's like, there's loads of examples of when you can find it being like extreme examples of cheating badly. And they're bad at it, right? They're terrible at it. It's quite a cultural thing though, isn't it? Because like what, in, in some South American leagues, if you fall down, it makes sense. And that's, that's part of the uh, mm. performance as well. Whereas like, you know, in the Premier League, if you fall and it's perceived that you are simulating, that can slightly mar your career for a very long time. Like, look, I remember how long people were fucking with Ashley Young when they said that he dives. Mm. Yeah, that did go on for a while. For I don't a know, long, really, long he, time. He did quite a few times, to be fair. I remember one of the Crystal Palace. What's the remedy? What's the remedy for this then, Ed? The, the, well, I think they just, I, I, think, I think they should be a bit tougher on on booking people for, for diving. Although, as I say, it is quite hard to say. It's quite hard for the referee to make that split-second decision. Yeah. Well, v- um, v- but really, v- that is the way. VAR is, I guess VAR is, sounds like what you're asking for is VAR, Howard. And while VAR is very useful, I can definitely see a contingent of football fans who become very frustrated at the additional administration and the more NFL style of deliberation that's now needed with Mm -hmm. VAR. So there's probably a very accurate way of capturing motion and seeing if someone is simulating or not. But then it's up to us if we want football to be a game of two halves that involves athletes trying to score a goal or we don't want it to be a very drawn out, uh, you know, meticulously observed process where your average football game, like a Ford or a Super Sunday game now becomes like a, a, a Super Bowl game where instead of like the whole to get all together being like maybe two hours becomes like a whole eight hour affair. So, <clears throat> yeah, there's no need for that. I think I think just referees, if they think someone's dived, then they should give them a yellow card. Yeah, and then it could always be overturned at a later date if necessary. But yeah, yeah. it's just that it needs to be discouraged, really, isn't it? Because it is maybe like, maybe, like, maybe there's a way of uh, maybe there's a campaign we can do it where it's like you think diving's bad. Well, racism is like a diver doing it ten times over. <laughs> <laughs> Most. Most racists are also divers, and then and that, that, that <laughs> maybe that would change it. it. Yeah, yeah. Most, <laughs> most racists are divers, <laughs> and they take more than one orange at half time. Do you want to be a racist or a diver? Of course you don't. Football. <laughs> well, yeah. Dane's come over to lose to, which is really good. <laughs> it's just a campaign. The diving. Campaign. Uh, Let's uh, do it. Uh, okay. Well, it started here, guys. It's jumping for goalposts. Not and goggles, just, <laughs> swimming. Don't dive, you prick. <laughs> and just to reference something that came up, I think, a long time ago on a podcast with, with, with one guest, which was the fact that I predicted that there would be no linesmen anymore uh, and that we'd just replace them with robots. And it actually, they're, te- they're testing that out next year. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, no more linesmen. Uh, <laughs> thought, do, you, do you see that news? I thought it was quite entertaining seeing there's going to be 12 points of data Howard, uh, on cameras. Yeah, those linesmen have families. <laughs> they have families they that do. they have to support as well. Now, yeah. I know a lot of football fans would argue they don't deserve families, but they have them anyway. Okay. Well, this is an interesting question because this, not just in football, but this is going to be something that's going to happen quite a lot in various jobs, isn't it, in the future? Mm. I think they're going to become automated. Well, smart, yeah. smart, when, when smart pitches yeah. come along, you know, that can detect motion, they can detect like 
uh, you know, they might be able to detect through facial recognition grimaces if people meant that kind of thing and stuff as mm. well. So, Pain I wonder what the is there is there a smart pitch already, um, Ed? You know, I'm sure because I imagine with the whole automated linesman and like with the VAR for like goal line technology, I'm sure somebody's probably working on if there doesn't exist already like a smart pitch, which could also cover like the amount of you know kilometers that people travel and stuff like that and have the whole. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's already my friend was telling me there's already like a just a basic camera you can you can buy that you set up next to the pitch if you want to watch your kids play or you know training, hmm. and it will give you all these stats afterwards, like you know kilometers run and wow various things. It's, sort of it's already like it's already happening. Points. Yeah, it's really, but no, in just in terms of not not just in football but in loads of different um, industries, certain certain jobs might you know be taken over by robots pretty pretty soon, and yep. you know like driverless cars and things like that. I wonder. Not so journalists, no, you're safe. No, well, like there's the Scoopmeister 2000 that's been in, uh, <laughs> yeah. been in, been in development for well, a couple of few few years now. So it sounds great. Yeah, no, there is. I think there is, there is already automated journalism as well. So sadly, oh, there uh, you go. yeah. Um, Dane, it's over to you. My question is slightly mental. Uh, that one, isn't it? But um, it was. It, I, I just find it. I just find it. People get so upset about the divers, so that's why I thought I'd throw it in if they we did side with them for once. But it's over to you, mate, for the final question of today's uh, football frenzied podcast. Uh, well, I'd like to keep uh, the tactics straight and direct. They've been effective so far. Mm. Um, obviously, Ed expertise is in. Cron- I remember that game, by the way, in Cameroon versus England in 1990. Very inspirational game. So yeah. I can definitely understand um, why that would have been a catalyst for a very successful uh, career in journalism, football journalism, uh, particularly emphasis on African players. With that being said, um, I'd just like to happily prick your brain about it. Could you give me your timeless African eleven, including free subs, um, and they could be from any period from the t- from the from uh, the World Cup nineteen ninety. What players from that? Just from that? No, no, tournament. from whatever. From, from since that tournament. Oh right, okay. Or your, top, your 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 African eleven plus plus three subs. Okay, well I'm de- with well, explanation, obviously, as to why. <laughs> I definitely will start with uh, somebody who I've been very excited with uh, this season, goalkeeper, and he's it's a modern player because uh, there haven't been that many amazing African keepers. If you go a few Cameroonian players, but. Um, why do you think that is? Shaka Shaka that... Yeah. He was from um, Trinidad. Oh, he used, play, okay. he used to play cricket with the Brian Nora, actually. Oh, he used yeah. to bowl to Brian yeah, But yeah, it's an interesting question, actually. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I think it's uh a lot to do with it's the sort of last uh, a lot of a lot of distrust distrust, maybe yeah, a little it's bit. Also, it's also like it's uh culturally when you consider mm. that like football can be used as a uh springboard into a better life for your family and i think uh among communities within the diaspora being in goal when that's taking place is not seen as particularly glamorous or predisposing you to stand out like a lot of the time where people can use things like african cup of nations as a showcase then i think and also i guess historically in football like black players have been advised due to place and athleticism to players wingers or wing backs winger forwards and so yeah it's interesting though because um in my in my book I talk about Arthur Wharton who is the first African player to play in English football in the 19th century and he was actually a goalkeeper oh. so yeah it kind of it's, it's a funny one that it's uh he, he he almost played for England he was sort of on the edges of, of doing that but then ended up um also played uh, played cricket and was a hundred hundred yards world champion. So it's quite an all round sportsman <laughs> yeah, nice from, from Ghana. 
We need um, more. We need more all round sportsmen. There needs to be more all round sportsmen games. Yeah, like people like people like that. All like, remember like Bo Jackson, who was like the baseballer, mm. and, and uh, yeah, and then who was that? Well, Michael Jordan did. Uh, Michael Jordan know, did baseball as well. Baseball. Yeah. Alan Iverson was an NFL player as well. Yeah, apparently Odell Beckham Jr. is a decent soccer player or football player as well, as well as playing NFL. It makes sense because a lot of you know a lot of if you're good at one sport, you'd see, you know hand-eye coordination and stuff yeah. like that. It tends a lot of footballers are good off. golfers as well. They decent. I think Jermaine Defoe is like a decent golfer and stuff as yeah, well. So. They've got a lot of time to spend on the course, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no <I'll> just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, other um, defenders, I would definitely have to. The first one I wanted to talk about was Lucas Radebe from uh, from Leeds, mm. in South Africa. Great character. Amazing character. Just an ama- amazing man. I don't know if you guys know, but he was shot when he was a teenager. Mm. Lived in Soweto, in, uh, oh. you know, outside Johannesburg. And uh, we just got in the way, we got in the way of a bullet, basically, between some gangs mm. before he before he came to England and, uh, you know, made his name at Leeds. And he's still an absolute legend yeah. up there. And just a little fact about in, in Leeds when... Uh, when he retired, uh, he was captain around 2003. I think Lucas was the most popular boy's name in, in Leeds. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> He's such, a, such an icon and still is, I think, to all the Leeds That's fans. a great centre-back. That's a yeah. great centre-back. Yeah, uh, and I think just sort of for some somebody a bit um, bit more zany, I don't know if you people remember, Taribo West. Oh, I'm so yeah, pleased you yeah. said yeah. Taribo West. Great choice. Yeah. Great choice. He's not, probably not the second best like African Defender in the Premier League, but he had great hair. And yeah, he a, great hair, and, and, and he became a pastor. That, that was that was yeah. going to be one of my questions as well, because like there's there's a very uh, it's a very unique thing about African players was about uh, the hairstyles and being able to stand out and distinguish ourselves, particularly in in, uh, in computer console adaptations of football games. And I always remember Teribo West standing out in International Superstar Soccer Deluxe. Oh yeah, with a different hair. Oh yeah, he was so, good in that. He was yeah. good in that. So, um, so we got Teribo West. A, separate, a separate podcast on the expression of African <laughs> identity through the hair in football is a whole. Oh yeah, that's, there's a documentary there that deserves deserves a little mini documentary there. <laughs> but Teribo West and, and Redavi is a great start uh, is, in the defence. Mendy behind them. Yeah, fullbacks. I was just thinking, definitely, definitely Lauren, the mm-hmm. Arsenal former Absolutely. Arsenal. Under, under underrated, right? Un- he was, yeah. He, he well, he was part of the Invincibles team, wasn't that's he? The only reason, that's the only reason why he would be underrated because at the time, like you know, yeah. it was it was Invincible. So and he could also play. He also played in uh, centre mid. So I think he was probably one of the first. If you look now, actually looking back, he was kind of uh, the how the fullbacks' roles changed from being like we were saying yesterday, like one of the last people on the team sheet to now being one of the, like probably the first, you know, yeah, most yeah. important. He was quite. He was very important for Arsenal's attacking. Mm-hmm. play as well as being a good defender and then I was just trying to think of a left back and I think it's not that actually that many who've uh, done that well Babi- Celestine Babiaro nice. back yeah. from Chelsea great good to I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll come to me later and it'll annoy me but I can't think of any other I don't think player. there is it it seems to well, be Emmanuel, not Emmanuel, Emmanuel Bouet's a right back isn't he Emmanuel Bouet right back yeah, yeah. we could play him there yeah oh, Lassana Diara centre mid I'm going to show my uh, football geekiness. Yeah. I'm going to show my football geekiness, Ed, and tell you who it, who it could be. It could be a uh, guy who had an absolute kind of rocket of a left foot, which is a Cameroon left back called Pierre Wome. Do you remember him? I actually thought of him. Yeah. I do. He, he, he was, played for Fulham. He played <laughs> or for Asuakotu as well. Oh, yeah, Benoit yeah. Asuakotu. Great choice. A man yeah. who didn't like football. Yeah, that's right. He didn't like Great football. Choice. And that was true. He didn't. He, he genuinely didn't. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> 
Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, more, there's a few footballers like that, I'm sure, that are just like, it's a job. <laughs> yeah, I think Ben White said the other day, the Arsenal defender said recently that he didn't um, he didn't watch any football or anything like that. So, but yeah, I mean, you'd have thought you'd, be, you'd want to have some interest in it, but I can understand that you know, your whole life is devoted to it. Every day you want to get away from it, I suppose. Yeah, as people, cause, cause it, because yeah, when, it, when it's a job to you, then you want an outside hobby. Mm. Uh, so... It is important. I mean, it is nice. I like, I like getting away from just, you know, work, just having a yeah, couple of a exactly. day, just like not doing, not listening to the radio or anything like that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so it's a good defence, said. Okay, so we're solid, solid back four and goalkeeper. It's going to explode in midfield, I imagine. Yeah, the midfield, <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've just got a ridiculous <laughs> amount of Are you going with a 4 4 2 formation as well? Yeah, I think I will, but I'll probably just put two, you know, two uh, wide yeah. players. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, but the <laughs> centre mid is definitely. Um, uh, Michael Essien oh who, yeah who I actually had the pleasure of interviewing with for my book and it's a good little story about him just that he it was a um, the soccer aid thing at Stamford Bridge and Didier Drogba was there and it obviously was commanding a lot of attention and I just looked around and like, sitting in the just in the stand was like Michael Essien no one was paying him any attention whatsoever hmm. it's like <laughs> people maybe forget about how good he was he was um, so good he was, he was so good he was actually the first African player to win Chelsea's player of the year ahead of Drogba you know that's how that's how good he was he was like he, he made an instant impact when he came from Lyon um and yeah for a couple of years was again was one of the players you probably irre- should have irre- been top irre- three yeah. ball. irreplaceable and irreplaceable for a long time ever mm. Chelsea as well and did he, did he go to, he went to Real Madrid after Chelsea was it after Chelsea he went to Real Madrid uh, he did, I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But he's kind of he, his career quickly. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah, I think he played a lot when he was younger, and yeah, yeah. just things caught up with him. Really um, versatile player as well. Really versatile in terms of positionally. Mm. He well, he he's a box to box midfielder as well, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. And now I'm just trying to think who's a player alongside him. I could cheat and have either. Claude Makaleli or uh, Patrick Vieira. I, I, I think you can cheat. Listen, this is a. This can is I a, cheat? No, yeah, no, both, no, no. Both born in no Africa. Cheat. So. You can, listen, and until on, man, go, we want to see. I want to see Toure. I want to see Yaya Toure next to Michael. He's Etienne, got though. subs, That's Howard. True. Yeah, let's have let's have let's have Toure in there. But just just to point out that both of those two, who were you know two of the best players ever, mm. uh, you know Makaleli had a position named after him. Vieira yeah, exactly. is just. An yeah, Arsenal and French dude, legend. Dude, they're both born in. They're both well. born in Africa. Yeah, he's yeah. doing very well, uh, Crystal. I'm very I'm impressed with yeah, Vieira. Too. He's uh, he's an interesting man. Actually, he's very, very softly spoken, yeah, but he yeah. sort of has an aura about him. Yeah, real. Um, but yeah, so Yaya Toure has to be the uh, Howard. The I want Howard. I prefer. I like the hypothetical like African one. You can do whoever you want, Ed. It's your it's your team. Yeah. No, but he is right though. He has to be Toure and Essien really in the middle there. Toure and Essien is a, is a killer combo. But we'll, right? we'll do Makaleli in brackets and as well. I, I'm assuming I know who the third member of the African midfield is, but maybe I'm going to be proven wrong. But well, I think I might. No, I might do four four two. So this is going to allow me to put. I mean, I'm going to play Salah on the right though because he plays on the right for Liverpool and, and Mane on Salah the left. In there, yeah. Mane on the left. Nice. And that's going to let me get um, deadly. deadly. <laughs> it's probably not the best defensive. <laughs> no. But, uh, it's going to let me get, um, obviously, Didier Drogba in there yeah. uh, as a striker. And I'm just going to have a cheeky one of my own as well. I, I'll play him up front. Uh, but I don't know if people remember him, but he's probably my favourite African player. He's, uh, oh, this is hard, actually. Oh, no, <laughs> I just remembered someone subs. else. Still got I've just subs. remembered someone else. So, but I was going to say there, I was going to say Peter Unlove. Oh. But, but he's more of a more of a winger. 
And I've also got Tony Yeboa, who was... What a know, legend. <laughs> Tony Yeboa. What a legend. And I'm I mean, sure I've missed out Mares too. So. Well, you, you've missed out a few people. Just to name, yeah. you know, a couple might be Samuel Etu, uh, George Weyer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Roger Miller uh, would have been another one. He didn't one. play in the Premier League. Oh, right. Know. Okay. No, those two didn't, weren't at their peak either as well, you know, obviously. Um, That's true. Yeah. I think you've got no, to chuck Kanu really into the mix, haven't you? Kanu is, oh, yeah. is one of the all-time <laughs> kind of well. a, a crazy players, right? Just yeah, an, it's, it, this is really tough. I've, I've had to try and do this before. I mean, like, but at least you gave me a, a team rather than But the one, one that we've got, we've yeah. got to talk about, surely, is JJ, no? JJ got. That's why I thought you were going to... legend. I thought if you were putting him in the midfield with Essien and Toure, you've got like this killer trio, right? And then you play Mane, Salah, and you play one of drug, uh, uh, you know, I think, really, yeah, yeah, I think you play Drogba as, yeah. as the main striker. That with, front off, four is, yeah, with so JJ in the hole, yeah, 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 yeah JJ in the hole. That's that's really JJ good. in the hole yeah, with Mane, good. Salah, Drogba, so and behind Yeboa, him is Toure and, and live on the bench, yeah, that's fair. And and Colo Toure because everyone needs Colo Toure, uh, obviously, because he's you know, just just good for morale as well as being at one point a very good player. But I think people have just kept him around for morale reasons, haven't they? Uh, he was just a popular guy, isn't he, Colo Toure? Colo uh, Toure, well, actually, interesting character because he's he, he a very good player in his day. Good, and it, yeah, but yeah. again, it went it went wrong quite quickly for him after, after he went to City. But now he's doing really good stuff as a coach, apparently. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's assistant to Brendan Rodgers. And he's, he's a popular highly. dude, isn't he? He's like a likeable guy. And that's interesting to see that going quite far for someone, you know? Definitely. Um, no, I think he, he could be a quite an important uh, pioneer for African coaches as well. We'll see how he gets on in his career. Uh, I mean, yeah, and that's that's what kind of we want. I I do I did want to ask actually, Ed. I know we don't have time, but I wanted to ask you as well about like. So you know, we had the earlier discussion about this Super League uh, earlier in the year. <laughs> if, do you think mm. that an African Super League would help the continent to raise its profile and you know maybe draw more attention to football there? Or or, or cause I think what team is it recently? I saw um, there's been a team that's been bought by billionaires that Alex Song plays for. Oh no, did Djibouti. Djibouti, that's it. Yeah, wow. the north. Oh, I've not yeah. heard about that. Actually. So, um, right, yeah. right. It's in, it's interesting because uh, the the problem with African football at the moment is that FIFA. I have, I have to say this is on a bit of a power grab. Mm. They've just installed Patrice Motsepi, who is a South African mining millionaire who owns uh, uh, who owns uh, Mamelodi Sundowns in South Africa, right. uh, which is like a big club over there. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a big power grab going on at the moment. And then FIFA are trying to push through this Champions League idea, uh, like a or Super League, sorry for the for the whole continent, which in theory sounds like quite a good idea, I think, because it you know it could it could attract a bit more sponsorship and stuff like that. But yeah. where it, whether it fits into the whole like global calendar and it's kind of part of the whole plan to have the World Cup every two years, I'm a bit low to say whether it's a it's a good idea at the moment. It's just being sort of forced through. At the moment, in the in you know, with the promise of more cash yeah. and stuff like that, but <clears> yeah. <throat> it's, it's just interesting for me. It's like it, it, it's it's could Africa be an opportunity for footballers who don't necessarily realise their uh, aspirations over here? Could they go play in the African leagues? And in a way that like there's now the NBA now have I have like an African league where they which Obama is involved with as well, and Jay Cole mm. was apparently going to play in. So you know, is there the opportunity for? Uh, uh, players who are of African origin to maybe go and play in the continent and maybe still have a career. Maybe, yeah, it's it's something they definitely need to work on because at the moment it's not. You know, there are some lucrative leagues in Africa, but like the, everyone, not, not ev- everywhere. 
No, I mean, a, a couple, there's only like it's a couple really, it's like South Africa, you can yeah, get exactly. a decent amount, and then Egypt. Because I always think it's, but, like, it's like you want you want a situation whereby, you know, we're not losing out on another uh, Togolese player that could be the next Adibayo or the next Kante that's from Mali, but they don't have the, 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 the league is not as strong as like a league would be in South Africa or Nigeria, for example. So, yeah, so well, this is a big issue for African football. Yeah, I mean, there's certain countries that have, that have got a good system of getting players in, into Europe. But yeah. like, I mean, it's getting younger and younger. Actually, obviously, there's there's like limits on how mm-hmm. player how young players can go. But um, yeah, certain countries. Like I did something about Zambia. There's a couple of players who came oh, to the okay. Premier League. Um, this guy called Lee Kawanu went on, on the podcast in episode two talks about how he's set up this pathway to enable players who are really from like there's such such remote places in Zambia. Yeah. He, as he said to me, like most people don't even know where Zambia is. And that's the first thing I have to tell them, like, you know, where it is and point to it on a map. And he's managed to get a pathway. He's got two players, uh, multi-million pound moves to Leicester, Pats and Daka, yeah. and uh, Enoch Mwepu from, uh, who's, at, who's at Brighton. So mm. it just shows you that there is a, is a possibility if you, you know, if you, create that pathway and and can try and help yeah. set it up anyway. What a good football full episode of Questions Everything, Dane. We've we've questioned a lot of football-based stuff today. Uh, it's been pretty good, right? No, it's been very uh, enjoyable. Thank you for coming on the show, Ed. Uh, please continue your good work. Uh, make an emphasis on highlighting the, all of the talent abundant on the continent. Um, for those that want to find out more, where can I hear about more of your good work, sir? Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you. Um, as we were talking about before, I'm doing uh, the Made in Africa podcast with my my colleague Rom and Osman, who's from London World. Um, and you can read me in the Guardian um, most weeks. I do something for them, and also I've, I've written the book Made in Africa: The History of African Players in English Football, which has been out for well, a couple of years now, but is available still in in all good bookshops. So please, uh, if you have some time, go and check it out. I will. I definitely will. Looking forward to it. I hope there's illustrations with hair in there, Ed. Because <laughs> African footballer hair is like there definitely is. Oh, there's some there's some amazing pictures in there. I have to say, actually, I was uh, that was a, a real pleasure of doing the book. It was trying to find them. It was quite tough. Oh, of course, because uh, has got El Dior for some Jabril Cisse movies. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely will be checking it out, man. So good stuff. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure, man. Thank Thanks you for coming on the show. Cheers, guys. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Ed Arons. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed underscore Arons. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.